This is Create Now, the show that explores creative and generative approaches to changing the systems that rule our world. We're sector agnostic, and our guests come from a myriad of different disciplines and practices, but they all have one thing in common. They are people who are creatively rethinking and remaking sectors once thought unchangeable. On this episode, I speak with Lauren Ruffin, who is the Vice President of External Relations for Fractured Atlas, a national organization which empowers artists by eliminating practical barriers to artistic expression. This past fall, she spearheaded the Artist Campaign School, an intensive training for artists to gain the skills and knowledge necessary to run for political office and win. I'm Robert Rancic, and this is Create Now. So thank you, Lauren, uh, once again for being generous with your time and speaking with me here for the Create Now podcast. Um, I am hoping that you can talk a little bit about Fractured Atlas and the organization and the services that you provide to artists. Yeah, yeah. So Fractured Atlas has been around for about 20 years. Um, and we our mission is to, um, to really help artists to break down um, sort of barriers to creative expression um, in really practical ways. Um, so we are the nation's largest fiscal sponsor. Um, we have between 4,000 and 5,000 projects at any given time with us um, who are using, who are leveraging our services to raise uh, charitable dollars for their work. Um, we also um, insure um, artists, everything from sort of um, folks who just need to ensure the work that they're storing in their studio, all the way to the folks who are swallowing fire at Burning Man. We provide them with insurance. Um, we also um, sort of keeping in the same vein with fundraising, um, we have a platform called Artfully um, that's a ticketing, uh, a ticketing and CRM uh, uh, tool and also allows um, folks to crowdfund. Um, so that's been uh, in existence for about a year now, and we're approaching about a million and a half dollars that people have raised on that crowdfunding site. Um, we also offer visa letters, um, visa letters for performing artists who might want to come visit our country and sort of share their work. Um, that was a major line of our business, but uh, in the last year or so has dropped as fewer and fewer people um, want to come to our country. Um, so those are kind of like the, the big lines of work that we that we do right now. One of the things that is also uh, kind of incredible about Fractured Atlas is you were one of the first organizations to develop anti-oppression guidelines. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and how that actually is implemented within the organization. Um, so our anti-oppression guidelines came out of work we've done um, over about a year with, um, with two consultants, really thinking about um, what are the ways in which um, not just artists, but people in our community have been oppressed, and how do we do more than just say, um, you know, Fractured Atlas is non-curatorial and we're open to everybody, but how do we really take an active, um, how do we take an active and very firm stance about our, our core beliefs with regard to sort of equity and inclusion? Um, and that was, you know, sort of where our anti-oppression guidelines were born. Um, those guidelines are really the starting point in many ways. Um, since then, we've done um, a number of other things. Um, one, we have um, caucuses for staff, so affinity groups. Um, we have a people of color caucus and a white caucus that meets monthly. Um, just to talk about, um, and they're very different, I guess, but the white caucus is primarily um, learning more about uh, systemic oppression and racism in our country. Um, the, the people of color caucus is really an opportunity for us to be able to interact with each other uh, without sort of um, having to put on the mask that, that sometimes we put on because we're in the presence of, of white people. Um, 
So uh, we do caucuses. We also have, um, because a large portion of our staff um, are doing customer service, um, we've developed uh, negative interactions uh, sort of protocols. Um, we, we learned throughout this process that a number of our staff members are actually having really difficult conversations with members. Um, some of the conversations are, are offensive and some of them sort of borderline you know, approach abuse. Um, so we have a protocol for folks handling that um, where they can do everything from sort of read a script um, to, you know, hang up the phone without any sort of, um, without, without sort of feeling like um, the customer is always right. Sometimes the customer is really wrong. You know, Lauren, I wonder if, you know, because you didn't start in the art world, you have a background uh, training as a lawyer and then also doing a lot of uh, nonprofit advocacy work. And I'm, I'm curious how that kind of background and knowledge is, is now imp impacting your work uh, within the arts and also what kind of opportunities you see being at Fractured Atlas that you didn't have perhaps in some of the other nonprofit uh, sectors that you worked within. You know, I am using my law degree more than I thought I would be. <laughs> um, as someone who's never really been a practicing attorney, um, one of the things that I feel really blessed about is I'm working in a sector where everyone is so creative um, that is relatively free from regulation. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to just, just do things differently and to really upend, like, the status quo. Um, having worked in sort of, you know, sort of background in social services and, and homeless shelters, um, when you're poor, it's a, it's really, your life is really regulated um, from what food you can get with your SNAP benefits to um, where you can live based on housing vouchers. It's a really regulated lifestyle. Um, and what I've come to realize in the arts is, you know, even though we think we're not regulated, there are social norms and protocols and practices that are almost more as stringent as government, um, sort of those informal, um, those informal roles. So I think one of the things I, I understand is, or one of the things I've, I've enjoyed doing is saying, like, is this a policy or is it a practice or is it a law? Um, and if it's not a law, then we actually have a lot of opportunity to change things. So let's talk about the Artist Campaign School. So after the election, you set to writing blog posts, um, highlighting concerns that you had um, about, you know, not only artists, but the larger population. But then you went on and developed something called the Artist Campaign School. Can you talk a little bit about what that was and, and how it came about? Um, and then, of course, we'll get to how did it go last fall. Right, right. So, um, you know, after that blog post where I called this president a fascist, um, <laughs> got a fair amount of um, reaction. Um, and I was intrigued that I wasn't, um, we got, the, the, it, the reactions fell sort of on sort of three, into three categories. The first was, yeah, you're damn right. Absolutely is. Um, and the second was sort of the Make America Great crowd. Um, and I do have a gentleman who sends me frequently with no, with no reason, just likes to email me with, you know, MAGA in his subject line. Um, and then the, what was most intriguing to me were the people who said, you know, I think you're probably right. However, I don't think it's the place of a nonprofit or artist to sort of wade into this political discourse. Um, and that to me was intriguing because, you know, again, speaking about my past, you know, when, when D.C. was planning to cut, you know, money from the housing voucher program, you know, it was expected that the folks who benefited from that program would, you know, jam-pack the city council meetings. Um, and there was no doubt about their right to do so, whether it was right or wrong. Um, and it was just a really interesting um, dichotomy there. Um, and so I started thinking, what can I do to really um, to get artists to really be held accountable for the change they want to see in their community? 
Um, and beyond sort of protests and marching and everything else and artwork, but like, if you really want to see change in your community, you need to run for office. Um, and if there's one thing, the opportunity in this administration is, you know, our president is, is uniquely unqualified um, to be in the role that he's in, and he ran and, and won. Um, and so everyone um, should be able to run and win. Um, and that's kind of how it was born. We asked our, we did a survey and asked our members if they ever thought about running for office. Um, a third of the folks who responded said they had. Um, and then it just sort of happened that I had some, I had some money in my budget from positions to fill, so I was able to to mount this thing um, relatively quickly, and, and we did it last fall. So this took place in Detroit. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like? How many artists came and participated, and where you're at now, and where those folks are at? Yeah, so we, um, we had 30, we had over 100 applications, um, and they were all really strong, which was, which was a surprise. I, uh, people put a lot of thought into their applications. Um, we were only able to support 31 artists. Um, we paid for um, for travel, food, lodging. There was no cost at all to artists. We really wanted to be accessible from for everyone. Um, and we did it over two and a half days in in Detroit um, last October. It was um, it was a jam packed you know couple of days. It was really nitty gritty. Um, we were able to bring in well known um, consultants from sort of all across the political spectrum, um, although folks on the sort of far right um, actually weren't really doing a whole bunch of training. Um, but in any case, it was open to everyone regardless of, the, of sort of how they identified in terms of political party. Um, and we did like nitty gritty stuff, like how, what entities do you need to set up legally to be able to run for office? How do you target voters? Um, messaging for voters. Um, messaging was great and stump speeches were great. Artists are like amazing at that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch those stump speeches. And to hear people, um, how, how easily artists are able to sort of tell their stories in a way that like makes you want to vote for them. Um, we talked about, you know, building a platform, fundraising, and we were able to have, you know, the guy who did all the youth outreach from Bernie Sanders campaign um, was able to be there. Uh, Juliana Smoot, who was um, Barack Obama's uh, finance, she uh, was his finance chair um, and has had like a number of prominent political roles. She was able to, to attend um, and everyone was really excited because, you know, this is the sort of political organizing that everyone should be doing, but we kind of stopped doing over the last 10 years or so. And so we currently have, we have uh, four of the 31 are running for office right now, currently. Um, and so they um, just made it out of the primary. And uh, I think the general from most of them is happening in June. Um, and then we expect to see some folks slated for, um, depending upon the timeline of their candidacy, um, sort of later this year or next spring. Um, so we'll really be able to see what sort of um, difference we made. So why do you think artists should run for office, Lauren? One, artists are really passionate. They're typically pretty knowledgeable. Um, the folks that we talked to were remarkably knowledgeable about sort of the, the re, their, their pet issue. If they were interested in, in education or running for school board, they knew up and down why, you know, both arts education was important and why sort of the education system in their, in their city um, really needed them to have a voice. Um, I think artists are able to tell their story. Um, I think generally they are able to think outside the box. Um, you know, we had some, we didn't talk a lot sort of formally about, um, really progressive thoughts or anything like that, but, you know, there are a number of artists there who were really interested in universal basic income, which sort of has the potential to transform how we think about work in this country. I also think, um, you know, we talked a lot about how artists are able to kind of take nothing, you know, spit in a little bit in a piece of duct tape and make something wonderful. Um, so that's kind of what politics is and being able to sort of work across the aisle and kind of consider various points of views. I mean, that's really, 
missing from politics right now. So my suspicion is that this cohort um, who went through the training in the fall have become pretty tight, or at least I would assume. So what kind of follow-up, uh, you know, things are you either structuring or are they just communicating on their own? Did you provide a mentor network or anything of that nature? Yeah, so they're communicating a lot on their own. You know, we set up uh, both a sort of private uh, platform for them to share um, things that might be confidential, um, as well as, you know, a Facebook page, as everyone does. Um, they've done things like, you know, we had a couple of filmmakers who have done videos, you know, have flown to various cities and done videos for their the other folks in the cohort. Um, we have folks who have gone down to knock doors uh, in Memphis. We had we have two um, folks who are currently running in Memphis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're supporting each other and just sharing best practices. Um, they're, I believe they're still in touch with a number of the, fo- the trainers. Um, and the trainers are really excited to see it and, like, really wanted to stay in touch. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're forming their own cohort. And, and from the very beginning, my thought was at the very worst, the worst case scenario is we will have trained folks who can are really, really just superb community organizers, right? And, like, that's just such important work. And at, you know, our, our best case scenario is we have people actually, actually win seats. Um, but yeah, they're staying in touch and you hear from them pretty frequently. And so it sounds like this has been pretty successful. I mean, even having four candidates out of 30 seems like a, a pretty extraordinary lift given this training just happened last fall. Um, and I wonder if you have plans to offer additional trainings for in the future for other, other possible candidates. Yeah. Um, well, fingers crossed and, and, you know, funding secured, hopefully, um, we'll be able to do something this fall in Chicago. Um, and if there are other cities who are interested in bringing us there, it's, it's a really straightforward process at this point. It's almost plug and play. Um, so as, as funders approach us and they want to bring it to our, their city, then, you know, we're more than happy to do it. Um, it's unlikely that I will, um, just given the amount of work it is, um, it's unlikely that we'll um, we'll do it after this year, um, mm-hmm. but it's been a learning process, and I feel like a full twelve months of just learning and and training people has been um, it's been really good. And then finally, uh, what are you what are you cooking up at Fractured Atlas now? Any new things uh, in the pipeline? Oh, um, I don't even know. I mean, we have some things. I don't know if I can really talk about it, but I guess I'll say sort of vaguely, just to be a real tease. Um, <laughs> You know, we're working on some advisory services, so really deepening our work um, and possibly doing some work beyond the art sector. Um, so that's the that's the tease, and, and it's very early, and we'll see how it goes. But really, we're thinking about how can we help other organizations kind of figure out um, the anti-oppression stuff, some of the human resources stuff, just some of the things that we think we're doing pretty well in. Again, nothing's 100%, and nobody's perfect, but I think um, just trying to figure out how we can help the, the nonprofit sector generally um, be a better place for folks to live, um, and, and kind of work. So, um, that's what we're working on. Well, it's a good tease and certainly one that makes me very interested in, in hearing more details as they emerge. But, uh, thank you again for speaking with us here at Create Now, and, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on, uh, Fractured Atlas and, and you too, Lauren. So thank you. Always my pleasure, Robert. Create Now is hosted on the Bennington College campus at the Center for the Advancement of Public Action. The Create Now team is Rowan Edwards, Anna Saldinger, Chloe Shelford, and Robert Rancic. 
This episode was engineered and produced by Rowan Edwards and Anna Salting. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe.